Thank you for downloading and listening to sermons from First Baptist Narrows. We pray that this podcast would help you love Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God bless. Now, we walked with Jesus last Sunday to the Mount of Ascension, which is on the top of Mount Scopus, very near where the college is located now. There's a place up there that traditionally, they say, there's a footprint in a rock there where Jesus stood when he ascended. Whether or not it's true is elementary to me, but he did ascend, went back into heaven, and disappeared from their sight. That's what we want to look at today. Imagine with me, if you will, that you've been a part of Jesus' ministry for now on to three years. You've either been a disciple that followed him and listened to everything that he said, or you've been an audience member in the crowd. Maybe even he touched your life. Maybe he healed you of some disease or calamity that you had. Maybe a family member was touched by Jesus, but nevertheless, for the last three years, you've interacted with Jesus in some way or another, there in Jerusalem or down by the Sea of Galilee or, or some other place. Just imagine that. And all of a sudden, he was gone. How would you feel? Where are you going to go next Sunday? Who are you going to listen to? What if you do have a sickness or a disease in your family? Is there anybody else that's going to be able to cure and heal like he did? Is there anybody else going to be able to speak like he did? After all, the Scripture said that never a man spake like this man. Certainly the scribes and the Pharisees can't step into the void left in Jesus' departure because they had nothing to offer the people and had not prior to Jesus' arrival on the scene. They were self-righteous, egotistical, careful of their position in the Jewish hierarchy, and they wouldn't soil themselves by even touching unclean people. After all, they condemned Jesus for doing that very thing. They said, this man eateth with sinners. So who are you going to go to for inspiration? Who are you going to go to for help? Jesus is gone. And I heard a preacher say one time that the scripture that we're about to read or that we read part of last week was the last recorded words of Jesus. And I thought to myself, you need to read the Bible before you try to preach it. Because in several chapters in Acts, Dr. Luke quotes Jesus. He quotes him in the re recollection of the story of the conversion of Paul. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Saul said, who art thou? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And then Paul, in the telling of his conversion, says that Jesus spoke to him. And over and over, Jesus is quoted in the Acts. So this is not the last recorded words of Jesus. The last recorded words of Jesus is something we ought to grasp and live on because it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. But these words that he shared with the people have significant impact on us as Christians even today. If you want to read with me, let's turn and read. It's in the first chapter of Acts. We had read last week 
down through three. And we talked about those things that he shared with the people. Remember that Matthew says that we ought to go into all the world. Mark says we ought to preach the gospel. Luke says we ought to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. And John says it's a personal individual call that you can't slough it off onto the church or to evangelical Christianity that it's your responsibility. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. You do what I've asked you to do and don't worry about anybody else. That was last Sunday's sermon. If you weren't here, that's a, sort of a recollection of it. If you were here, you probably didn't remember, so that may be fresh and new to you too. Now we begin with verse 4. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, You've heard of me, for John baptized you with water. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Let me stop, put your finger right there, and let me say, these hard heads, after all that he'd said, after all that he'd instructed, after all he had said to them, well, is it now time for you to restore the kingdom of Israel? They could not get that out of their mind. That was their agenda. That's all they thought he came here to do. They just couldn't grasp it. And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Let me just stop there and say that in my lifetime, there have been so many predictions of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus himself says, you're not supposed to know. It's not given to you to know. In fact, this week, a fellow told me that he had read somewhere in some magazine or something that Jesus was coming this week. He told me, you better get ready. It's supposed to be this week. Can I tell you that any time that it circulates around the world or throughout the United States or in churches uh, and preachers and television and radio programs that Jesus is coming, I know that he's not. Because he said, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. But Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times. Why do you think that was important? I believe it was because if he told us the time, we'd dilly-dally around until the day before like we do everything else. There's people that are not saved that know if they die, they'll go to hell, and they're just putting it off. They're just waiting for another day. They're just trying to live all that they can before they get saved with the attitude that getting saved destroys your life. Nothing could be further from the truth. God doesn't want to damage your life. He wants you to have abundant life, but only in Him, because outside of Him, you're hopeless and helpless. That would have been a good place for an amen. If I sat out there, I would have said, Amen, preacher. Without Christ, I'm hopeless and helpless. So Jesus told them, It's not up to me to tell you the times. He didn't chide them for saying, Are you still hung up on the kingdom of Israel? But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, 
which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Then returned they to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day's journey. They're going back to the upper room and talk about all of this. They're about three-quarters of a mile from Jerusalem. This place that I told you about, that if you go with me to Israel, we'll get to see, is just at the top of the Kidron Valley. From there, you can look down across the Mount of Olives toward the eastern gate that is sealed up. One of the great rulers decided that nobody should go through the eastern gate till Jesus does when he comes back, so he had it sealed up. You look across at that great wall. They're going back to talk about all of this. My message this morning is a question. Why should there be joy in his leaving? Why can we find joy in the departure of Jesus? Remember how I started this morning? Imagine that you walked with him. Imagine that you talked with him face to face. Imagine that you felt the power that was in him. Remember the Emmaus encounter? Our hearts burned within us while he talked with us. Remember the, the way he touched lives and only Jesus could do this and the way he healed people and how they rejoiced and how he brought back the, the widow of Nain's son from the dead and he raised Lazarus from the dead to the joy of his sisters and his family. Imagine all of that. And now Jesus has ascended. He starts defying gravity. And I believe it was a slow process. I don't believe he went just like that. Beam me up, Scotty. I believe that he started just ascending. And they watched him, the Bible says, intently. They watched him go, just as you might watch a rocket take off. And he took off, and, and the Bible said a cloud received him out of their sight. Have you ever seen a balloon that the kid lets go in the Walmart parking lot? I, I, I'm fascinated by that. I have to watch that thing until it goes completely out of sight. If I look away and look back, I can't find it. So I look intently at it. That means I, I don't take my eyes off of it. And Jesus is ascending, and they're watching him. Leave them, leave them heartbroken, leave them without help, leave them without hope, leave them without their Savior, leave them without their teacher, leave them without their healer, and they're watching him go, and a cloud received him out of their sight. He gets so small, they can no longer see him. And two men, in white apparel, stood by. And they asked the question, You men of Galilee, why are you gazing into the heavens? Well, why not? He was our Lord. He was our Savior. I see no reason to be glad that he's gone. It could have been their answer. But he said, This same Jesus that you see go shall come in like manner as you see him go. Boy, that gave them something to talk about, didn't it? So I'm going to give you three reasons this morning why I'm glad Jesus left us. All right? They're all biblical. Jesus had said to the disciples earlier, if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Now you understand that Jesus, even after his resurrection, had a body. He has a body in heaven. He had a post-resurrection body. It was flesh and bones. He didn't say anything about blood. He said to the disciples, Come and see and touch me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. He said to Thomas, Come and put your finger in the nail prints and your finger in my side and see that it's me and be not faithless, but believing at that point, seeing the nail prints and seeing the spear print in his side, 
He still had the scars from his crucifixion. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus had this body, and he has a body in heaven now. It's different from the body that was crucified. It's an immortal body. It'll never die again. And Paul said, we don't know what we're going to be like, but we know we'll be like him. Will I have a body in heaven? Yes, I'm not going to be a spirit floating around. I'm going to have a glorified body. The Bible said the mortal must put on immortality and the corrupt must put on incorruption. We'll be raised a spiritual body, Paul said in Corinthians. So you understand that Jesus said, if I don't leave you, the Spirit will not come. Reason number one, to be glad that he's gone because now he can be everywhere. Before he could be in Jerusalem. He could be in Galilee. He could be down by the baptismal site in the Jordan River, which we'll see on our trip. He could be uh, walking and talking with the disciples outside of Jericho. But he could not be everywhere because he had this physical body. But now that he's resurrected, now that the Holy Spirit has come in his place, he said, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I'll come to you. That means that Jesus in spirit form can be at First Baptist Church on Sunday morning. Man, I'm glad about that because I need him to preach. I don't ever want to stand in the pulpit and do what I do mechanically. I don't ever want to stand in the pulpit, even with the Word of God, even armed with the knowledge of the Scripture and the memorization of Scriptures that I need. I don't ever want to stand without the Lord. My one prayer is that, Lord, you will do the preaching through me this morning. So I'm rejoicing this morning that he went away because when he went away, the Comforter came the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you ought to be glad that he went away. Why? Because the Bible says no man cometh except the Spirit draws him. The Holy Spirit is here this morning to do two things. One is to bless us children of God with his presence, and two, and that's to draw lost people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation to them that believe. If you've never received Christ, if you've never accepted him as Savior, if you've never publicly acknowledged him as Lord, and by the way, there's a big deal about that now. Just go ahead and accept Jesus in your heart and be quiet about it because everybody's afraid of public speaking. Here's what I say about that. If you get really saved, you'll want people today. Amen. You won't be ashamed of it because he said, if you're ashamed of me before this wicked and adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father which is in heaven. And I believe you won't have a bit of problem getting people to come forward and say, I've accepted Christ as my Savior if they really accepted Christ as my Savior. God doesn't have any secret agents. Nobody in God's secret service. Everybody, with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you've never done that, the Holy Spirit is here with you in mind. He wants to draw you to repentance in Christ. You can do it in your seat. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in a woodshed. You can do it in the trees. You can do it at home. You can do it anywhere. But you have to have the Spirit drawing you. So aren't you glad he left? If he hadn't left, if he was still over in Jerusalem, even in an immortal body, you'd have to go with me to Jerusalem to get saved. But I'm glad he left because his spirit can wake me up in the middle of the night and teach me something about the Word of God. 
I'm glad he left because his spirit can ride with me in the car and speak to my heart. I'm glad he left because when I hear somebody sing a song that's a blessing to me. I heard a song the other day, and a lady sung it with tears rolling down her cheeks, an old country singer that had gotten saved, and she sung, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And I wept like a baby, and I was glad the spirit was there. Reason number two. The Bible said he ascended back into heaven. Where did he go? Did he just say, I'm tired, I'm going to rest a while, and I'll be back one of these days? No, the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is my attorney. The Scripture says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who lives to make intercession for us. Do you know what that means to me? That means I don't always behave like I should. I don't always think like I should. I don't always talk like I should. When I don't, the devil accuses me. The Bible says he's the old accuser that accuses the brethren before the Father. The devil appears in heaven just like he did with Job, and he says, hey, there's that preacher from Narrows behaving like he's not a Christian. At that point, my attorney stands up and becomes my advocate and makes intercession with me and says, that may be true, but he's one of mine. That may be true, but I can forgive him of it. That may be true, but I bet you before the day's out, he'll talk to me about this, and the blood that I shed on Calvary will cover all of his sins, past, present, and future. I'm glad he went back because he became my attorney, seated at the right hand of the Father. (coughs) Here's how the Bible puts it. (coughs) Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Beloved, the Bible says, I write these things unto you that you sin not. (coughs) But if any man sin, we have a lawyer in heaven. Now, lawyers have a bad reputation down here. There's some great attorneys. There's some great lawyers. Please don't think I'm condemning everybody. (coughs) Brother John told a story about a couple that wanted to get married in heaven. And the angel said, well, I'll check on it. And a couple years later, he said, okay, the wedding's set for Saturday. And they went ahead and got married. Six months later, they came and said, this was not working out. We'd like to have a divorce. And the angel pulled his hair out and said, it took me two years to find a preacher. How long do you think it's going to take me to find a lawyer? (laughs) There is a lawyer in heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he makes intercessions with me. I'm glad he left. I'm glad he left. Because if he hadn't left, I wouldn't have this advocate. I wouldn't have somebody to stand up for me. The Spirit can pray that which I don't know how to pray. Tell you the truth, there's some things about which I don't know how to pray. There's some people that I pray for, and I don't know God's will for their life, so I don't know how to pray. When I visit somebody in the hospital, they may be going through something that God is allowing them to go through that will give them a great testimony, that will give them a great faith, 
that'll increase their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I glory in my infirmities. So here I am standing by a hospital bed. Do I pray for them to get well? Do I pray for them to, to, to undergo this? How do I pray? I don't know, but here's what the Bible says. The Spirit makes intercessions for us with that which cannot be uttered because we don't know how. I'm glad he went away. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'd love to have known you face to face. I'd like to see him now face to face. Just a matter of time till I get to, so I'm patient about it. But I'm telling you right now, I'm glad he went away for those two reasons. The third reason that I'm glad he went away, and this causes me to rejoice, is what the angel said. This same Jesus that you see go shall come again in like manner. I don't know what all you look forward to in your life. I've done a lot of things I never dreamed that I would do. I've traveled a lot of places in the world. Some of you new folks never heard me read my poem I wrote about my travels. I'll try to bring that next Sunday and read it to you. I wrote a poem about all the places that I've been. And some of you folks that have heard it don't remember it, so it'll be fresh to everybody. I, I've preached in foreign countries. I've traveled around a little boy from Baywood, Virginia. On a, grew up in a dairy farm in Carroll County. Little or no education. Managed to get through high school. Took some Billy Graham online courses about evangelism and went to the Cove and studied up there under Billy Graham's tutors. That's all the education that I've ever had. And I envy people with education. I'm not against education. You young people, get all the education you can. If I had it to do over again, I might have gone to seminary and I might have got a doctorate. I've got an honorary doctorate given to me by the Central Florida Bible Institute when I served as president there. But I don't allow people to call me doctor. In fact, went into a store the other day and the fellow said, Hello, Reverend. I said, No, no, no. It's only used one time in the Bible and it wasn't about a man then. Call me either preacher, brother Jerry, or hey you. <laughs> but I've traveled all around the world. And I look forward to this Israel trip. I want to go one more time. I've asked the Lord to let me go one more time. He laid it on my heart. He said, I'll bless you if you want to go. And so I'm going. I hope all of you go with me. But if you don't, I'm still going to go. Why? Because I look forward to it. I've been over there. I felt what I felt in the garden tomb. I felt what I felt on the Mount of Olives and by that olive tree that was there the night Jesus prayed. I felt what I felt at Caiaphas' house when they arrested Jesus. I want to feel that again. I look forward to that. But folks, everything I look forward to in whatever years I've got left pales in comparison to the fact that every morning of my life I can look up at the eastern sky and think this could be the day. I'm glad he went back because he gave me something to look forward to in my life. Ye men of Galilee, this same Jesus shall come again in like manner. I believe that I'll be alive when Jesus comes. I do. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. Isn't that kind of predicting? Listen, I've got several years left. Don't count me out just because I've got gray hairs. I believe I'll be alive when Jesus comes. From the events happening in the world, from the fulfillment of prophecy I've seen in my lifetime, from what I know about the Bible, and the predictions of the Bible, when you see these things happen, look up, your redemption draw off now, I really believe that's going to happen in my lifetime. And to tell you quite frankly, I'd be excited if it did. Amen. I don't mind dying. I don't mind you burying me. I, I, I don't mind you saying a few words over me and crying a few tears over me. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't because I'll be much better off. 
Well, let me give you an illustration. I don't play the lottery. And as far as I know, I don't have a rich uncle. And I've only inherited one thing in my life, and that wasn't worth anything. But if somebody left me a million dollars, and you heard about it, and you come to me and you said, Preacher, I heard you got a million dollars. I said, got the check in the mail the other day after the government got through, about 300000 But <laughs> And you said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What a shame. What a tragedy. That'd be sort of crazy, wouldn't it? So when I die and inherit my eternal home and you come around the casket and say, I'm sorry, I may come back and haunt you. <laughs> if, I, if I cared to leave for a few days, I'd come back and do something bad to you. But you know what I've got to look forward to? Because he went away. He went away. He left me the promise of his return. And that's why I love to serve him. That's why I love to preach. That's why I'm going to continue to do what I do until Jesus comes. I shared with the Sunday school class this morning, one of our life verses happened to fall in our study in Philippians. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's one of my life verses. And I hope to be standing somewhere looking in the sky when Jesus comes. I'm glad he went away. Rejoicing in his ascension. I don't want to do like the disciples and run back to the upper room and sit around and moan and groan. The Holy Spirit came, though, and shook that up, didn't he? <laughs> he said, you'll be endued with power from on high, and I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And, folks, I love the presence of the Holy Spirit. I really do. Well, how is it with you today? You feel his presence? You feel his power? You know that he's advocating for you right now because he loves you? He takes up for you? Sometimes love can be kind of misconstrued. We had a little boy that grew up in our church in Florida, in one of our two churches, well, both churches actually, and he was a rascal. I spanked him one Sunday morning. You couldn't do that now. You'd be arrested. But his Sunday school teacher brought him to me and said, he's been kicking all the girls, kicked one in the stomach, and I spanked him good. And he didn't kick any more girls, and he loved me. He followed me around like a little puppy dog. He loved me, but every time he got into trouble, every time he misbehaved at school, every time he said a bad word or anything, his mother defended him. Her little darling could do no wrong. The teachers were against him. The church was against him. The community was against him. She said he's never sinned. If there'd been a, a marching band of 100 people and he was in the band, if he wasn't walking in step with the others, she would have said, look, everybody's out of step except my little boy. He's in prison now for killing a person. Parents, beware. That's not the way you raise kids. But Jesus may defend me in front of the devil and before God, but because he's my attorney, because he's my advocate, he also speaks to me about some things. Amen. And he says, time to go to your knees. Time to get forgiveness. 
If we sin, the Bible says, and we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what a good advocate does, doesn't he? He not only advocates on our behalf, but he advocates for us in our relationship with God. Would you bow your heads with me? Let me talk to you real serious for a minute. There's two dangers that we face. One is the danger of lostness. If we're lost without Christ, we're, we're living in jeopardy. Why stand ye in jeopardy this very hour, the Bible says? Because Jesus could come back and we'd be unprepared to meet him. The other danger is that we are children of God, but we're not close to the Lord. We've let our relationship with him kind of slip. We're, as the Bible says, backslidden. We go to church once in a while, but we just don't feel what we need to feel. It's not real to us like it was at one time. We're the prodigal child that's gone away from our father. And the call goes out to come home. The father has been watching for us to come home. He's been waiting with open arms. He's prepared a celebration. Rejoice, he said. This my son was lost and is found. Either one of those dangers could be present here today. And the Holy Spirit could be speaking to hearts right now. We want to give you a chance to respond. In a moment, the music's going to start. We're going to stand to our feet with our heads bowed, eyes praying. I want to challenge you to pray for everybody right around you as well as yourself. Father, if there's anybody here this morning whom the Spirit is, is dealing gently with, I pray, Lord, that they'll not go out those doors the way they came in, that you'll make a life-changing, radical change in their lives if they'll just respond to you, if they'll just be obedient to you. Again, thank you for downloading and listening to sermons from First Baptist Narrows. If you have any questions or comments, our contact information are in the notes below. God bless.